Before you listen any further, I want to talk about Edmont's Harrowing Horrors. This spooky 5e supplement introduces amazing content for dungeon masters who wish to expand their toolbox of terrors, as well as players who want to give their character a haunted finish. The Kickstarter for this project has gone up now and lasts until November 8th, so if you want to back a quality product and help out a talented indie creator, follow the link in the description or search for Edmont's Harrowing Horrors on Kickstarter. Edmont's Harrowing Horrors is live on Kickstarter from now until November 8th. Do it now before it's too late. <laughs> Welcome to Dice Carnival! You are listening to the Wild Beyond the Witchlight in collaboration with the Homebrew D&D podcast. My name is Misha, and I'll be playing Amanda Amazing, the detail-driven Sylvan Rogue Detective, closing in on her breakthrough case. I'm Cody Smith, and I play Philo Featherbottom. Philo is a halfling wizard who has gone through some rather strange events. My name is Greg from the podcast Dice Carnival. I'll be playing Astrak, the star-speckled grip-lead druid who yearns to leap for the stars but cannot leap. My name is Austin Brady, and I will be playing the character Hobbs, who is a sentient log warlock and are very flammable. <laughs> Hi, I'm Gio, and my character is Tor, a young Harringham monk who ran away to the Witchlight Carnival as a child to pursue their love of dance. They've been working at the carnival ever since. And finally, my name is Adrian, your dungeon master and host. This episode of Dice Carnival is sponsored by C4 Labs, proud vendors of free shipping in the United States. Now available is the Hugo Dice Tray, with the utility of compartments for all of your dice, plus the flaming pizzazz of the man himself. Additionally, at checkout, you can type in Dice Carnival with no spaces or caps to get 10% off your whole order. So if you want to support your local musician, or just find great products for your D&D games, head to c4labs.com. Whether this is your first time listening, or you're already a subscriber to our content, we at Dice Carnival welcome you and hope that you enjoy what you're about to listen. <laughs> Bye now! Years later, we see a small Gripply who has aged quite handsomely, currently on a high bluff, surrounded by other children, not just Gripply children, but other children of the swamps, such as goblins, Yuan-Ti, as they are kind of gathered in this sort of communal point, some old playground equipment donated from the people of Kinsas, for as the kingdoms have expanded somewhat into this region, it has become harder for indigenous people such as the Gripli to find themselves fully independent of culture. Nonetheless, tradition is quite valuable to your kind, and you find that it is a rather peaceful environment despite the noises made by the other children. What sort of hobby would Ostrak have picked up in such a time? Um, I think at this time he probably would have picked up a little bit of, like, basket weaving, probably. So he's kind of, like, taken on the trade of sort of wicker crafting. Mm-hmm. Surely enough, yes. You Baskets are quite valuable and with the abundant reeds found in the swamp 
there's plenty of resource for you to experiment and work with, and we see as you are currently in the process of carrying a Gripply Birthing Cradle, a sort of uh, device that you were carried in when you were first hatched. And it is a little bit crooked and a little bit loose on the bottom, and when you go ahead and you lay in a couple of rocks that weigh about as much as a baby Gripply would, we just see the bottom fall out. <sighs> this is tougher than it looks. Regardless, though, we see resting at your side is a faint glimmer of something. Ostrok, between your other hobbyist pursuits, you have always found yourself drawing your way back to astronomy. And what would your star chart look like at this point in your life? What would it be made out of? Um, what would it detail? I think at this point, I probably would have made it out of wood. Sort of like just this big wooden circle at this point. Mm -hmm. And I punch holes in it, which I try to line up with the stars. You probably use some of the coins that you scavenged or worked odd jobs in the nearby town to perhaps gather some woodworking material from one of the carpenters there. And in such time, you have kind of been teaching yourself at least rudimentary carving with hand tools in order to create this sort of star chart. And would it be painted at all if you were able to acquire such paints? Um, no. So it's just sort of a, a rough depiction as the one mm -hmm. that you may one day wish to carry as an emblem on your shield. We see Ostrok as you are leaning down and kind of looking at it, sort of drifting at the edge. You begin picking up the, the wickers and untangling them and putting them back in your satchel. And we see another kid walk up and begin inspecting the star chart himself. A goblin. Rather punk looking one with a sort of striped shirt and eyeshadow, but clearly not knowing how to apply it properly. So he's kind of got a Johnny Depp thing going on. All right, um, I'll talk to him. <sighs> Reesh, you don't know what you're doing. What's this? Basket weaving not enough for you? <laughs> no, I guess not. What are you doing here? I don't know, Astrick. What are you doing in my spot? This is not your spot. Yeah, it is so. See, look. I wrote my name in it, and he kind of, like, points towards, like, part that's, like, been written in charcoal that's, like, washed off, like, several weeks ago. You know, I'm not going to believe that. So it's mine. That. Which oh. means that this was sitting here, so it's mine, too. What? He starts, like, looking at the uh, star chart and starts carrying it under his shoulder. That's towards, like, not... some other... That's not yours. It is. It... No. I don't see your name on it. Please give it back. It has your name on it. He's just not looking. <laughs> <laughs> If you just flip it over... Oh! Oh! Oh, look at this! Oh, no, the breeze! It's really strong! Oh! Oh, oh it's so aerodynamic! And he just tosses it, like a frisbee, oh, off what are you the coast. doing? And the other kids just begin laughing and walking away. As, as you do see, it is actually rather aerodynamic, and has kind of caught a bit of a draft, and is twirling in the air, and it looks like it's about to land towards the edge of the coast. And then a last moment, gust of wind, you see a couple of bushes sort of lean out towards the ocean, and you see it gets carried a little bit further and disappears over the lip of the cliff. Do you keep do you, do you keep in pursuit to, to, to peer at it? Yes. As you approach the edge of the lip, you see, if by fortune, a small dead tree, which has rooted itself into the steeper than 90 degree rocks, 
maybe about 15, 20 feet below from where you are, it seems to have sort of tangled up your star chart within its branches. Oh, oh, thank the stars. You look behind you and you just see like a small posse of goblins led by the one punk, all just kind of like laughing and pointing at you from maybe about 50 feet away. A couple of the other kids who are playing on this bluff also just kind of looking at you curiously. What are you laughing at? You see that there is this one female Gripply who just kind of looks at you from afar, wearing a small, like, little dress with buttons. And she just kind of, like, looks at you sadly. But she just kind of goes back to sort of shaping the clay that she was playing with. You see that as the wind sort of rustles, the star map sort of, like, slides a little bit down on the branch and stops. It doesn't seem to be super secure where it is. And you can see maybe about... 100, 120 feet below you, sharp rocks and tide pools with waves lapping against the alabaster cliff. I guess I gotta go get it. I I can't think of anything to say to Reesh at this point, which is sad. <laughs> Sometimes, this is what your pond mother has probably told you, there are some in this world who through their stubbornness and through their lack of perspective, there is no changing their hearts. Not without acting in a way that inspires. Okay. <laughs> you don't Sorry. think you'd have to leap to it, but you think maybe you could climb down? Actually, roll me a um, perception check. Perception check. Go ahead and use yep. your, uh, yeah. Go ahead and use... Oh, that's a lot better. 22. <laughs> 22. You see that there is a path that winds its way down the rocks of small little handholds, small little bits of vines that bend over the ledge. You could probably potentially climb down them. It would be precarious, it would be steep, I'm gonna... but you could probably get to the base of this tree and then work it out from there. I will swallow my fear and go through with it. You see that as you begin making your way down, you can just, and you kind of turn around and begin sort of using your, your amphibious stickiness to sort of like cling to the rocks and the vines. We see that the kids who were laughing at you kind of stop laughing and kind of raise eyebrows. The small gripply girl who looked at you from afar before, she stopped her molding of clay and she kind of like looks up a little bit worried for you. And anyone who was either ignoring you or mocking you, their attitudes entirely change to a mix of some, some are impressed, some are like, what's that idiot doing to, wow, that frog's brave. And you kind of like get a little bit of that satisfaction just as you kind of lose line of sight of all of them. I guess I will just like shout up to Reese. It's like, I bet you wouldn't do this if I had thrown like your sword. What? What, what did you say about my grandfather's sword? <laughs> and, 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 and. <laughs> Then as you continue to climb down, yeah, um, we see as you kind of, roll me, roll me, nah, 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 you successfully <laughs> mocked him. Uh, right. As you climb your way down, <laughs> as you climb your way down to the base of the tree, what do you do? Where is the shield exactly? The shield is the... hanging in the branches. You look from where you are and you see the tree sort of extends outwards like maybe a good 15 feet or so. And you've climbed like 20 feet down on this cliff and it was windy and loose. 
And as you kind of put your feet on the base of the tree, you kind of breathe a little bit of a sigh for it. At least here it feels a little bit more stable, but you hear like the rocking of the tree and the wind. All the dead branches that are swinging. You see that there are things like kites and, you know, parts of stuffed animals and beads and stuff like that gathered in this tree. This, this tree's a little bit famous for catching stuff. Hmm. All right. All right, I've got a plan. I'm going to basically, I will try and like get myself out past the shield, like towards mm-hmm. myself facing towards the cliff, grab the shield, and then just like use kind of the bouncing momentum of the tree to jump back. I want you to go ahead. So are you leaping out or are you going to like walk your way forwards and try um, to like tightrope till you get to the point where you're kind of like within maybe five or ten feet of the the the, the map? Yeah, I'll, I'll do the tightroping until I'm like five to ten feet. Roll me an acrobatics check. Oh. All right. Oh, that's an eight. No. So we see as you step one foot in front of the other, and you manage to sort of stumble a little bit, but you catch yourself. And after breathing for a moment, you take another step, and then as you're halfway between the next step, you hear just a creaking underneath you. As you begin to see stones falling from the base of the tree, as you see it sags, maybe about five degrees, and you find yourself flopping and holding on to the base of the tree with your arms, as you see it lean another five degrees, pulling more chunks out, as you see the roots begin to pull themselves out of the cliff face until it sort of stops and is just swinging in the wind. The star okay. map sort of rocks a little bit further towards the edge of this sort of uh, little 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 Y intersection that uh, All right. Can I... pushes it towards the edge. Ooh, can I attempt to grab it with my tongue? Go ahead and roll me an attack roll with your tongue. Attack roll with the tongue. Here it is. 14. In order to actually get that, the range of it, you had to sort of stand up again. And as you sort of position yourself grabbing a hold of one of the branches, you manage to latch and grab a hold of it. You've currently got your tongue at the edge of the star map. You can taste the wood and the shavings of it all. And you know you've got a good grip of it, but it's still stuck between a couple of branches. Alright, can I just like... You'd have to pull, maybe you could... Yeah. Try something else. Climb closer. I will try pulling. We see as you begin tugging tugging and tugging until eventually we see a branch sort of break and swing sideways and fall to a dizzying height toward till you can't even really see it anymore it just becomes mixed with all the chaos beneath you as you kind of stumble a little bit and you manage to sort of hug the star map against your chest the round disc with all the sort of holes that you've carved into it and just as you have caught yourself standing there we see as the tree as it continues to sag and more rocks begin flying out of the cliff face as the roots actually begin extending and there's like a pop 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 as it stretches out 10 feet away from the cliff face where like the roots of this dead tree have sort of spread about and are now being yanked apart like ropes and we hear sort of shouts and screams from kids from above some run away such as the goblin kid and his posse who are staring down at you others like the gripply girl can't help but watch in terror what do you do as you find the ground beneath you shaking I start running up the trunk back towards the roots the ground is not stable enough for you to run really oh no you're about maybe 10 
15 feet away from the cliff of the face and maybe 20 feet above you is the lip where the children were kind of watching you from. I gotta, I gotta try jumping then. As you go ahead and you brace yourself to leap a trait that your people are known for. We see as you bend into a lunging position, as you hug the star map to your chest, as you roll your tongue into your mouth, and as you go to kick off from the base of the tree, you find yourself just squatting, legs shaking and trembling as the tree falls. You remember that vertigo in your chest. That sensation of sea air rushing past you like a maelstrom of the ground spinning around you from the chunks of wood you lost track of which way was up and which way was down all you knew was that you were falling you were falling until it all went black we hear the lapping of waves and seagulls cawing as we see awestruck you laying against a small rock on the edge of a sandy beach, not too far away from the cliff you fell from. And we see sitting in the sand on a small little picnic blanket with you is a matronly human woman who looks like, but far more beautiful than any woman that you've ever seen. Middle-aged, but no creases on her skin. Beautiful green eyes silvery white hair and a pair of white butterfly wings that flutter behind her small little cape that rests just on her shoulders and she kind of like gets onto her knees and kind of makes her way closer and says my dear little froggy are you okay uh, who you are had you? such a you had such a terrible i'm so so sorry that I could not have been there any any sooner. I I did what they can. I've been I've been trying to and she kind of like pulls out the two halves of the star map that you made. And you see that she was currently in the process of gluing it together and she says, "My name is Sabilna. I'm your your fairy goddess mother. I I knew you were, I heard you were in danger and I I I came as quickly as I could." This this the star map. I'm not even really paying attention to her. <laughs> and she kind of like hands it to you and it seems to sort of be she used kind of like some of the holes to sort of stitch it together a little bit with like little bits of a very thin twine or silk. If anything, it looks like little bits of spider silk that she was using with a needle and thread. Uh, and she she rests it onto your hand as you see that there's like little bits of glue and stuff at the edges. It says, unfortunately, it took a little bit rougher of a fall than you did, but I've been doing my best to try to get it fixed up a little bit. I'm, I mean, I could always magic it back to normal, but... No. I feel like it kind of no. tells a little bit of a story, especially considering what you survived. Oh, oh, I can't. No, it's 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 done. I oh no! I shouldn't have gone down that cliff. Not at all. You were so brave. I saw it myself. You were putting yourself out on a limb to protect what you love. And sometimes, yes, we learned a lesson about the dangers of cliffs and unsturdy dead foliage. But that doesn't change the fact that you did what you did. 
and you are wiser from it. I'm so sorry. I know you've been through a lot. If you want to, I can... Uh, I've, I've got a small picnic basket that I've put together. Uh, we got a, a couple of... Uh, we got some, some gripply mud cakes. We've got uh, worms. I, I even brought a little bit of a specialty uh, from, where, from where I'm from. And she pulls out of the picnic basket a small canvas bag that reads gummy worms. <laughs> oh no. Oh, that was, that was, that's real enticing. Um, I'll kind of just like, I will, I will take the bag of nothing, gummy worms. Yeah, and she hands it to you and says, nothing helps with the pain more than sweets. Alright, I'll start eating some gummy worms. And Ostrock, like when you bite into these gummy worms, they unearth memories that you have not felt in several years. You remember a carnival of lights, of illusions, of experiences both awing and terrifying. And biting into this bag of gummy worms brings all those memories back to you in a distant way. Um, where'd you get these from? Oh, um, I brought them from my castle, but, uh, you might remember them from when you visited the carnival. Have a couple of friends who, who visit from time to time. Mr. Witch and Mr. Light. The carnival? That's where... Mm -hmm. That's... Oh, right, and Hobbs and Amanda and Tor and Philo? All of them, yes, 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 you... You remember, <laughs> sometimes I get worried, sometimes children forget some of the amazing things when they're young, but you, you are not like most children, Ostrock. You're special. I know that. When you fell from that cliff, I knew that I needed to intervene. Okay. Um, I think I should get back to everybody mm. else. I'll tell you what, I am very busy too, but I can assure you that this beach is a very safe spot right now, and you're welcome to finish the rest of the picnic for me. I think I've had my fill, and I will keep an eye on you, and if you ever need my help again, I will be there. Okay. And she goes to extend her arms for a hug. I will timidly take the hug and she she gently she doesn't just fully like wrap and pick you up in an aggressive way she gives you like a a soft gentle sort of more comforting hug than anything with how you know she you've been sort of shaken up from the whole experience of the day and as soon as you kind of like feel her release you and you go to open your eyes you see she is gone just a faint little bit of pixie dust drifting in the air. And the picnic spread in front of you. Yeah, I'm not feeling so hungry. I'm going to just, like, put all the food in the basket and take it up with me. And we see you do that, and you fold up the little red and white picnic spread. And as you kind of fold that up, we drift away from the coast and back to the present.
Welcome back to the Witchlight Carnival, where we left off last time. We encountered Amanda catching Kettle Stream, Kettle Steam, a notorious Kenku warlock of Zabilna, who has been causing trouble around the Witchlight Carnival so that Mr. Witch and Mr. Light could no longer refuse her inquiries into what had happened to her benevolent patron. After a, a stunning climax at the Dragonfly Rides, Ostrok managed to step beyond the chaos and connect with the spooked beast directly, convincing them that there was no harm coming towards it and that it should correct its behavior before anyone got seriously hurt. Through your quick thinking, genius intervention, and overall commitment to keep the mood of the carnival high, you managed to keep anything too, too disastrous from happening, and overall, led to a cause of celebration. And as Amanda makes a deal in a distant alley in the carnival, we resume to the four of you as a tree and sapling approaches all of you and starts saying, uh, Well, folks, that, that was a real, 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 uh, Nice thing you did there. It, things could have been pretty disastrous, and, uh, you know, that would have uh, been really awkward, because I'm the one kind of in charge of this little bit of a stand, so, uh, you know, thanks, dudes. I really owe you one. And especially you, Tor, you know. Great, great idea getting the, uh, dragonfly food, you know. I didn't really feel like getting it myself, so, like, you kind of, well, kind of helped me out there, too. Well, be a little quicker on your feet, I suppose, next time, my friend. Oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, hello, uh. Fairy Moth Lady, how are you, how are you doing? Uh, a little tired from sprinting, but otherwise pretty fine. Well, I find that absolutely delightful. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm kind of going to have to start cleaning up around here. I made a little bit of a mess. And, uh, you know, I kind of like my job, so I'm going to get right on it before Mr. Witch takes too much of a notice. You should probably all head over to the uh, big top extravaganza. I'll... I'll see if I can join shortly, but it's a uh, oh, it's gonna be one hooting of a time. Oh, looking forward to seeing you around. All right, see you later. As you see Northwind just kind of wave, and you just kind of hear like a, a chittering of Red the squirrel. Just, you know, just stupid thing. We got a big mess. Just gotta clean up. Uh, stupid rule again. Just coming in here, creating big thing. Stupid dragonfly. Oh, I'm gonna have to show you a piece of my mind. Talking all aggressively like squirrels do. Take note. <laughs> If there is a murder, suspect the squirrel immediately. Not a happy squirrel. <laughs> That's a given. That's a given. All right. Well, all of you are gathered here in the area. As you hear the sounds of fanfare coming from the big red and white topped tent. The, the big top? The big top. It is the fourth hour of the carnival. So it is time for the big top extravaganza. Oh, yeah. Can we head over there? I guess. What Don't is the big topic not? extravaganza? Yeah, what are we talking about here? It's the big topic extravaganza. It's in that up, and it's an extravaganza. That's what they call me down at the bar. <laughs> that that that's very good to know, Hobbs. Um, that's a new side of you I've never heard about. <laughs> Why are you at a bar if you can't drink anything other than the water? The ambiance. That is okay. fair. Okay. I'd like to imagine it's because, like, Hobbs is, like, really good at, like, lathing tops. <laughs> Just going Beyblades at the bar. Sure. Fine. We'll go with that one. 
Anyway, <laughs> right, we're, we're all having a morning. All right, then. All right, it's time for the big topic, extravaganza. Whatever makes it an extravaganza, I do not know. Question, does the does it cost a ticket punch? Uh, so, Tor, you would know that the events at the big shop top do not cost a ticket punch. There is acts happening right. within the big top all day long, you know, between uh, trapeze acts to, uh, you know, clowns messing around with animals and, and chasing them and getting knocked out of barrels to, like, you know, contortionists, uh, in particular one female halfling who uh, is kind of the star contortionist here at the carnival. There is also sometimes musical performances that happen. There is all sorts of shows that happen all day. But the big top is used for two special events that happen during the carnival. The first one being the Big Top Extravaganza, which is a little bit of a, a big variety show that debuts a bunch of fancy acts and kind of draws the entire crowd in. And the other being the closing ceremony known as the Crowning of the Witchlight Monarch. I, uh, I love the idea that like nor like human contortionists can get in some pretty tiny places. I kind of love the idea that like a halfling contortionist would like climb inside a tea kettle or something <laughs> and just like lurch out very terrifyingly. <laughs> become a genie of the lamp. It's just a whistling tea kettle. You open it up, it's a halfling's face, and she's like <laughs> Well that's where the dormouse went. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, Hobbs is gonna kind of meander about, um, and... Know where he's going? Yeah, just walk on through. So you make your way towards the big top extravaganza, and even though it is midday, you can see, like, on the inside of the tent, like, circles of light just moving around, indicating sort of swiveling lanterns. This big top probably rises somewhere in the range of, like, 40 to 50 feet tall. Very, very high at its peak. And the interior of it is, like, dark to the point where you can't even see, like, the sun shining through the fabric above you. It is like you have stepped into an entirely different world, lit by lanterns and and, and small, like, lanterns lights and bits of moting specks of light that when you, like, look towards, like, the, uh, the peaks of the big top, it literally, like, looks towards, it looks like you're looking at the night sky, basically. And you see that there, the almost all of the carnival, like all the patrons here, are beginning to sort of file in and grab a hold of uh, seating on these sort of like tiered benches that surround a sort of oval uh, kind of a performance pit. And where are you guys sitting? Are you sitting together? Are you splitting up a little bit? Do you want to sit near the front? Do you want to sit a little bit towards the back? Hmm. I mean, I, I think we should go right up to the front. Counterpoint. I can't see that well. Counterpoint. We should probably go towards the back so we can get a large survey of the area. Personally, no matter where the others go, Tor would want to just stand in the back because, you know, making space for the rest of the patrons, but also to get, like, you know, a, a good, like, eye over everything. So it sounds like... Tor and Hobbs are kind of interested in finding maybe some some of standing room uh, towards the uh, back of the, the the tiered seating that rises up the bleachers. Amanda's gonna join them in the back. Awesome. All right, all right. Sorry, Philo. 
Maybe so I, I can stand on your back, Cubs. I can't see you over the crowd. Of course. <laughs> Come here, dear friend. Yep. Uh, I was going to say, do, do Philo and Hobbs, like, you do see, I'll say that you do see, like, as the crowd's beginning to pack in, see things beginning to disappear. There is about room for maybe two small creatures to kind of cram in at the edge of a bench. That's us. Right there. Uh, Hobbs picks up Ostra? Philo like a little baby and ah. sets him in the seat. Okay. Is Ostra, <laughs> is Ostra, where's Ostrak sitting? Um, wherever there's space, really. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, is Hobbs, is Hobbs sitting on the tiny seat? or? Hobbs is probably just standing. Okay. Well, there's room next to Philo for you. Yeah. Uh, or Astrock. Oh. I guess I'll put there then. Okay, I was trying, I was trying to say two small creatures. Mm. Um, all right then. So, uh, so Hobbs, you're kind of like, okay. So we see I will like survey as, the area. All right. So we see as Hobbs kind of splits <laughs> off from the two of you as Ostrock, you kind of take a little bit of a seat. You see that uh, Amanda and Tor have already kind of found like some standing room, not really feeling super comfortable, mixed too far into the crowd. But the two of you have like some of the best seating in the house. Nice. And as you you begin to sort of file into the back, the lights inside begin to dim, and a hush sort of falls over the crowd. Chum, 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 until you are cast in almost complete darkness, just a little bit of dim light drifting from the floating mitts motes of starlight that seem to drift at the top of the tent. And then there's like a faint little bit of movement that some of you can catch in the middle of the room. And you see, as if kind of conjured out of the shadow, a figure standing in the centermost ring. And then suddenly, three lanterns lit from above shine down at three different angles towards an elf covered in bright white paint, wearing large diamond-studded jester attire a large flamboyant hat and carrying a vane in one hand. As you see this very lithe thin figure with a huge smile onto his face. Laugh up and bow deeper than, than you feel like his center of mass would enable him to do. And as he extends upwards, he speaks with his voice sort of projecting outwards almost magically. And you hear him say, Welcome, one and all, to this evening's extravaganza! <laughs> I am Mr. Light. Prepare for a great delight. And you hear the sounds of horns begin to blare as you see this uh, elf do a backflip off of the center sort of circular stage that he was standing on in the middle of this pit. And you see that as he... Uh, kind of does this bit of a flip and a bow. He begins to sort of twirl the vein around. And you see filing in from like uh, three different sort of small little staff areas, like staff access areas, is a sort of parade of all sorts of people. You see that there is elephants the size of donkeys that are like doing like a little bit of uh, a train and, and twirling little uh, bannerets in their trunk. You see that there is um, 
kind of being pulled by a sort of... I guess you would kind of see, like, these these three Almirage, these three little bunny corns, seem to be in the process of pulling a little wagon that has a teapot sitting on it. A little bit big for a teapot, but nonetheless. You see, in fact, that there is a giant, what looks to be a clamshell, that's being wheeled out into the middlemost ring as you see uh, Witchlight Hands, sort of staff dressed entirely in black as to sort of not draw too much attention to them, kind of pick up the center stage and begin rolling it out. You begin to see more of them begin to sort of highlight rings and lights begin to sort of shine on there as you end up with like a three-ring event of all these sort of things happening. And you hear the voice project outwards. I hope that all of you have had a wonderful time at this carnival, because it brings me no more delight than to share the wonders of the many worlds, of the many places that we've brought to the land of Kinsas. So behold the marvelous sights here, and be careful not to bring too many home with you, for the memories you carry will be great burden enough. So younglings, grandparents, children, and families, we welcome you all to the Witchlight Carnival, and really hope that you enjoy the show. <laughs> and you see, uh, with a bit of a bow, the uh, the figure kind of stands there and in a sort of wrapping of shadow around him, just disappears. And you begin to see Axe perform. You see that, like, the three elephants, one of them kind of, like, stands up and puts on, like, a judge hat, and the other two begin playing rock, paper, scissors with their trunks. Oh, that's cute! What exactly is scissors? Uh, (laughs) It actually just literally like reaches into a box and pulls out a pair of scissors. And you see like that one ends up like manipulating the scissors in such a way that it cuts the piece of paper that the other one pulled out. And the other one like crossed its trunk all grumpily. And it it, it kind of to like a point where it's like the audience in that ring sort of laughs. And you actually notice that the three rings seem to be in the process of slowly moving around as if there's something underneath of them that's causing them to travel. And it's kind of bringing the different acts towards closer bits of you. And as uh, both Astrak and Philo, as you are kind of piled in uh, in that front row, you see like as that teacup, which is being pulled by the three bunny corns, kind of stop and the three bunny corns like sort of like shake the tether off of their horns and hop off. Surely enough, Hobbs, you see as a single foot sticks its way out of the snout of the kettle and another arm sort of and it it like reaches around out of the kettle and with the toes pulls off the lid of the kettle as you see a halfling contortionist pull her way out (laughs) i i didn't just like lore 360 no scope that she was in a teapot right like that's (laughs) you you're reacting in real time yeah (laughs) (laughs) anyway moving on um, Lower 360, no scope. And you see, like, as there is, like, and, and this is, like, another funny thing, is that you begin to see, like, a uh, a goblin playing a didgeridoo. And <laughs> as they are blowing out of this didgeridoo, uh, you see, like, one of them, like, literally, like, takes a giant sip of water and blows out of the didgeridoo, and out the end of it are little bubbles that are full of water but floating, full of fish that begin to drift around the giant clamshell. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. And you see like a lionfish and you see like an anglerfish and you see some pretty exotic looking fish that none of you have probably ever seen before in this more temperamental region. And they are just sort of like swimming around in the bubbles like they are in the water. And in fact, uh, 
some of the fish begin to actually swim above the crowd, and uh, me and uh, Amanda, you see as like a little clownfish sort of like swims above you and kind of like drenches your, the top of your hair with a little bit of water as it drips off. No, fix that real quick, fluff it up, dry it out. Yep. And then as the elephants and the halfling contortionist, as she like does like a very deep backwards bow, she gives you, only Tor sees this, but Tor, you get like a little bit of a stink eye. Mm, yeah, I definitely have a little bit of beef with her. Yeah. And uh, in the process, uh, you see the two of the circles begin to sort of like, the elephants like all done. You see like the one elephant like reaches into its bag and pulls out like a bag of that, that just had the big comical dollar sign kind of drawn on it, like an indication <laughs> of like a big bag of money and hands it to one of the elephants who's like been winning all of the games. And then as it's handing it over, the elephant grabs a hold of the other one's trunk, flips it over, and you see that there is, like, also a piece of paper on a rock just kind of tucked under its trunk like its sleeve. And it just starts stomping and... uh, Trumpeting angrily, and the other elephant, like, looks around with, like, big, shady eyes and just uprunts. I'm so tempted to just start chanting, Fight! 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 Don't make the animals fight! And, uh, yeah, you see, like, the two of them make their way out the door. And you see, like, all the fish begin to follow. And, um, eventually you see, like, the halfling, uh, contortionist, like, hop onto a small, like, little chariot that's then pulled by the three bunnycorns, uh, as that leads out. And then the sort of, like, large sort of standing rings you see begin to lift up. And you see all these, like, giant, like, Galapagos-sized turtles that were underneath of them. (laughs) moving them around, <laughs> climb out. Oh, oh my that's god. One of them like stretches their backs and stands up as uh as as the as like each of the three three underneath each of them like lifts them up and they just begin to sort of manually rolling them up while standing on their hind legs. Leaving just a clamshell behind and as like the lights follow the other ones out of the way and the light goes dim on the shell, the light then snaps on the shell, disappears from the back, leaving only a single spotlight. And then you all hear a familiar sort of tune. A siren song sung as the clam shell sort of begins to open upwards and you see sitting in a bath in the middle of the giant shell is Palasha the mermaid. Hmm. And she You're begins, gonna start cheering for her. As, she, as, as the entire crowd kind of stops, goes silent for a moment. And then like as she kind of reveals herself they just go nuts and crazy and sort of doing like a mid-performance applaud and hooting and she's just kind of like sitting on like the tongue of this like giant clam you're not sure if it's a real clam or not but it's like full of water at its basin and as uh not tongue technically would be a foot i've learned a lot of clam facts recently don't ask me how uh (laughs) as you see she begins sort of going into this performance in fact you actually recognize it as the same song as before but unlike the one that you heard that you never got to sort of conclude, you see her kind of go into the sort of climax of the song, the the the, the shrilling, and she begins to hit notes that you weren't even sure were possible with someone of her range. It's 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 strangely both beautiful and somewhat inhuman to the extent that she's able to sort of adjust her voice to manipulate it. Yeah. And then, as quickly as she's sort of risen, you begin to see, like, uh, the sound of a didgeridoo as that same goblin begins to blow out more fish bubbles. 
as they begin to sort of like swirl around her into like a bit of a swarm. And then as quickly as like they begin to sort of surround her and obscure her to the point, she sings like one final note. And then there's psh, all the bubbles burst and all the fish land inside the mouth of the clam and she is gone. Ooh. And you see the the goblin with the didgeridoo and he's got like a big like wizened beard. He kind of looks a little bit like Philo and his, he's got like a big sort of like hat that covers up his eyes and he closes the clam using like a little winch. He like actually turns the crank and it closes the clam. And he, uh, in the process, just single-handedly just begins pushing the, the clam cart back towards there. Is that there. safe for the clam? Is that clam an actual clam, or is this just like a machine? Roll Please. me a... a survival check. Roll for clam. Roll for clam Roll for clam Roll for clam Just roll 1-800 clam facts. That's a solid 10. It's hard to tell. Oh no! It could just be a it, it could it could it could it could the winch could just be for show or it could be a mechanical clamp. You're not sure which would be more terrifying. One eight hundred clamp facts has put you on hold. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, hun. Aww. Well, hello. This is a uh, one eight hundred clamp facts. Uh, your number one clam hotline. Unfortunately, all of our operators are currently busy assisting other callers. I can hold. What you a time to be alive. have the exact same question. Is this a real clamp? <laughs> I I roll to disbelieve. Anyway, as you all see that sort of performance from Palasha sort of come to a conclusion, you see as a, a figure reappears in the middle of the room, twirling the vein in one hand and says, Well, folks, I'm sure that was a wonderful performance, but we do require a little bit of audience participation nonetheless. So if there is any talented crowds out there that would wish to demonstrate their performance, their talents, the arts of which they were raised, now is a chance to take center stage, to leap into the fray and show us your own magic. And as it turns on, like there's like a lot of like sort of surprise from the crowd, like people aren't sure how to take it. And you see uh, where there's like a little bit of a velvet tape, as you see Mr. Light walk outwards and uh, ching, open it up as he very slyly like bends backwards, indicating with his ruby studded vein as there's just like a like a path of like small circular lights that lead to like a big center light in the middle of the the, the, the fray. Now the question is, do any mm -hmm. of you react immediately or do you see what the crowd does? I'm watching the crowd. I'm actually I'm I'm kind of curious about this. I think this is interesting. I'm tempted to I'm tempted to offer something for the stage. Right. Oh. So it sounds like you're considering it, perhaps. I'm, yes, I'm I'm I am considering it. Philo. Ostrak. No way. There's a big bright spotlight. I'm not a public speaker. Oh. I'm a public performer. You know what? I'm gonna head up on stage. All right. Well, as you begin making your way out, uh, you were in the back. You see, stepping outwards, uh, into like the middle of the fray, a a shorter individual, halfling. You think at first, but no, no. You can kind of tell from their 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 disposition that they are more gnomish with sort of twirly, jet, wispy hair carrying an instrument on her waist and a small frog on her shoulder, a gnome begins making her way out into the crowd. And uh, you hear the voice of Mr. Witch sort of project magically as he speaks into his vein like it's a microphone and says, Well, we have an eager volunteer! <gasps> what brings you here? Tell us, tell us, where do you hail? 
and you hear the voice of the small gnomish say, Oh, I'm just a traveler, and I'd like to play a song. He says, A song! Oh, you wish to bring a song? Please, please do take the center stage. I'm nearly sobbing in my knees in anticipation for what you might bring. And he kind of like sucks back a tear. Definitely, uh, in Tor, you definitely know that Mr. Light is is one for the dramatics. Mm. <laughs> and as you see, he, like, he literally, like, goes out and, like, pulls out a chair that's leaned up against the side of it and, like, sits it in front of, like, the grandstand and pretending like he's, like, in the front of the grandstand now. And he just sits in the middle of the chair, adjusts his shoulders upwards, and leans back. Big smile on your face as he, like, looks at all of you, like, can you believe this? <laughs> and yeah. Dramatic. The gnomish girl begins strumming a song with her lyre, and it's strange. The tune is beautiful nonetheless, but the way that the sound sort of resonates throughout here seems to almost bring about other sensations to it. See as she begins to sing a song of far travels and of flying of stepping through the shadows and emerging on the other side. As she sings of mists flying by, of cloud cover and of rolling landscapes, you almost all begin to sort of have that feeling inside of you like you were flying. It feels almost as if like the dust and the mist floating around the big top, to some of you, almost feels as if like clouds are rushing past you, as if you are as free as a bird on the wind. And as she's done strumming her, so her her lyre, everyone in the crowd is, like, completely stunned. And, like, even you guys are, like, sort of taken aback, taken inwards from what you just heard. And the only thing that then cuts through it is the lone clapping of Mr. Witch. Like, bravo! Bravo! As he kneels down to his knees and just begins clapping, going, bravo! Bravo! And everyone else just kind of goes in and starts clapping and cheering, too. Hi! Is there a way for me to, like, kind of insight this to see if there's, like, to see if there's something that this person, like, to see if this person seems to have a secondary motive for going on stage and playing this other than just, just because they feel like it? It's just Amanda, roll me an insight check. Because something, something's funky. Something's spicy. All right. What does a 14 get me? What that gets you is as you look at her down there, as she begins sort of bowing and you see like the little white frog on her shoulder, just kind of like begins hopping around, kind of like Ostrock did when he was really younger. You see that as you look at her in unison of you making eye, eye contact with her, she makes eye contact at you and just gives you a lone wink from about 50 feet away. Knew it. Knew it. Oh, no. I just kind of lean over to Tor. This could have gone way worse. This could have gone way worse. We need to talk about this after. Dora looks kind of concerned at her, but doesn't say anything. But none of you, none of you see that eye contact, by the way. It is yeah. almost as if, like, she knew Amanda was looking at her. And she looked back at Amanda to sort of be like, Hi there. I'm watching you. I see you too. <laughs> and she gives you, like, a friendly... And it's not... A, a, and, and from that insight check, you don't get that it's, like, a malevolent, like... Hey, I'm taunting you. It is. It's great to see you. Yeah, no, I'm no, I'm, I'm, I'm like in, in Amanda's head. She's just like, oh, you little shit. Oh, you're <laughs> you little shit. You almost did it. 
You almost hit it, and I was about to deck you. If you think that this is Kettle Stream, by the way, this is not Kettle Stream. Oh, wait, what? I, I don't make that clear. Well, yeah, this I is not Kettle Stream. Kettle Stream in, like, some disguise. No, I'm going to tell you right now, that's not Kettle Stream. What? This is what? someone else who made eye contact hey. with you. And gives you a little wink, like, Oops, hey there. Swiss, maybe. What? What? Okay, All right, I I've succeeded at my mission. Life. I have officially broken Misha. Um, <laughs> and as you see her walk away as a little bit of a bow, Mr. Witch stands up from like his kneeling posture, the front of his, uh, his tight sort of like dust covered in dust from the bottom of the big top. And he stands up and says, Oh, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. I owe the rest of you a chance, but I cannot help. But how that made me fly and elevate. <laughs> Do we have any more axe? Please, do we have any more axe? <laughs> Watch me end this whole man's career. <laughs> and Hobbs is going to oh, uh, lumber down <laughs> towards the stage. And, uh, uh, that's such a forced laugh. <laughs> do, you, do you bring any lumber with you? What are you doing? <laughs> always. He is the lumber. I'm always lumbered up. Um, he brings a log, it's fun. No, I, uh, uh Hobbs He just carries it starts... in it like it's a baby Bjorn. Like he was carried when he was younger. Hobbs it's starts, uh, good. banging their drum with their, their footsteps as they start to approach. Mm -hmm. And then I'm gonna cast Infestation just to, like, I, I start hitting my, my chest with the drum, like, palm drum chest drum, palm drum, chest drum, and all these carpenter ants start to uh, come out of the grooves of my wood, wood and they start swarming around me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to approach Mr. Witch and the ants are going to swarm around us. And then I will cast Disguise Self to turn into Mr. Witch. Oh, Mr. Mr. Oh. Mr. Witch isn't here. Mr. Light, you mean? Okay. I, I... Philo looks like Mr. Witch. Yeah. So Mr. Mr. Witch looks <laughs> like an, a, a heavier elven individual who's okay. got like a big, big gut and a big top hat and a suspenders and a pocket watch. Mr. Light is like a, a court jester. He you know, yeah. dressed up in this sort of white and red sort of diamond pattern outfit who carries the vein in, in the big ridiculous hat. Yeah, I will I will mirror Mr. Light. Yeah, you see uh, like as you do that, he like stands back on one foot and almost in a in a, a weird sort of balance puts his hands on his face and goes, ah! I do the same thing and then I drop infestation so it looks like we're just shocked at each other. You do that, do all the ants crawl back into you? <laughs> uh I I Or do they just live their lives now? They, they just live their lives now. They just dissipate. <laughs> you are free. You have a long rest to You see, like, the carpenter ants. ants, like, begin making their way Good into progress. some, some like, pile of, like, lumber that's, like, set along there, and you can just see a bugbear at standing at, like, the back of one of the staff sort of entrances to the big top, just kind of shaking his head. <laughs> um, and I say, be thankful that they are not box elder bugs. <gasps> oh my! Are you seeing any of this? It would appear as if I've stumbled across that imposter! Oh, I my, wouldn't oh my. believe my own eyes if 
you were not the imposter. Speaking of imposters. <laughs> I feel there's only one, one solution for this. If we wish to taunt our audience in such a way, and he'll like, he'll, uh, let me just check something. We're really making this show a product of its time. It's going to age poorly. <laughs> oh, no. We can't do this. I'm going to say like he pulls like a little bit of something from behind his back and he throws it at the ground. And then as the dust clears, the two Mr. Mr. Light standing there. Two, two more of them? No, just the two of you. But he's doing a smoke bomb down. And there's like a little bit of shuffling. And he like, and, and you hear a little whisper in your hobs of, let us not be too vocal, shall we? And then as like the smoke dissipates, there are now the two Mr. Lights standing in the middle of the uh, the big top in that middle that middle ring. Oh, this is fantastic. This is great. <laughs> and do you, do, you, do you try to like copy his movement somewhat? Yeah, I like one for one. I'm like mirroring. You see, the two of them begin to point around, and probably like catching that. Like Amanda, you're still like standing up, like losing your shit. Actually, <laughs> oh, so this is Misha losing my shit. I didn't want to interrupt the moment, but yeah. I think I think as soon as Hobbs starts walking down, Amanda's actually sneaking out to try to find the to try to find the gnome. I just didn't yeah. want to interrupt the moment. Well, I was going to say, you see the two Mr. Lights pointing at you as you are, like, standing up and trying to walk down, and a spotlight shines down on you. And both of them turn their fingers upwards and gesture for you to come forward. Oh, no. Me? Both of them give a nod. Okay. Ah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> kind of going up to the stage. All right. So, yeah, you do that, and you see... Uh... <laughs> You see that same goblin who was playing the didgeridoo earlier. He like actually, it's like a disassembles didgeridoo. <laughs> and he like put it on his back and he walks upwards. And he says, not sure what's going on. I think that they want you to figure out which one's the real Mr. Light. He wants me to figure out which one's the real one. Yeah. You know, you're, you're cool with that sort of pressure, right? Totally fine. All right. Get but in there. I think it might be really fun if I could put some pressure on them. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, know. I, don't know. I don't get paid to comment on, on, on crap like that. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. He lets you in. And there's How like. How about. And yeah. like, yeah. Loud's going to say. How about I tell a story? One that one knows and the other does not. Or maybe they both know and maybe neither of them do. Yeah, I think their voices right? are a little bit different. So I think they're not going to talk. They're not going to talk? Yeah. I but mean, like, ah. that's just my intuition. Well, I am a master of reading people. I've actually got Mr. Light talking into my, my head right now, and he's literally saying, like, he can't say anything, and I need to communicate that to you. Oh, that's perfectly fine. I'm not going to ask them any questions. All right. You see, people tell a lot in the things, in the ways that they move. All right. Hey, go ahead. All right. I'll, I'll tell you if he needs anything else said, but, like, mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, take care. And he'll, like, sit down and start, like, eating some, some peanuts. So Amanda's going to start telling T to T exactly what happened with her and Zabilna when she was a kid. That's and to read the reactions to see if either of them, to see who reacts. And like that is like the thing too. Um, n none of, neither of them are, uh, you, oh, you see like actually neither of them are holding that vein right now. But you see like the middle of it is just sort of like propped up between the two of them. 
you know, as if it's like a thing that you could sort of like speak into already mounted like a microphone. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm going to tell it exactly as it happened, no fabrications, no fiction, exactly how I remembered what happened to me as a kid with Zabilna, who I know is missing. And you see if I can get a reaction out of either one of them. Hobbs, this name probably doesn't mean anything to you, would it? Doesn't mean shit to Hobbs. I think Hobbs has kind of been on one mission for many years. Yeah. Maybe while you might have had some strange encounters in such time, that name has never come up. But I imagine you continue to play the part of, of remaining silent. Just your... Anything that is in Hobbs' head is just your typical local mm-hmm. town woodshop dad information. <laughs> means nothing to Hobbs. Roll me an insight check, Amanda. Okay. Let's hope I do good. Do you think that me telling the story to intentionally get a reaction would give me some sort of advantage or something? Just give me an insight check. Okay. I think what I think I think I think that what's happening here is that it's going to potentially present some sort of gambit. Interesting. So it's a 17 plus 2. Or a 19. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Me intentionally trying to set this guy off. <laughs> <laughs> this is fascinating. You see from the from your perspective the leftmost Mr. Light. We see the right one. You tell this entire story and just kind of robotically looks at you. <laughs> the leftmost one. And unless Hobbs does have like some sort of reaction he'd like to contribute, but I I think Hobbs gives a, a little bit of a like glimmer in their eyes as to say, "Hello, flesh child, Amanda." Well, you see the leftmost one as you're telling the story for like a moment, like sort of like have fun, intrigued with the game, but then their eyes sort of open wide as you say the name like two, three times. And then you probably like say something along the lines and then she disappeared. And then there's like a bit of a wide eye there and a bit of a tear. Oh, you've caught me. Such a beautiful story, such a... And it's like Hobbs says, hello, Amanda (laughs) Fleshchild. That was... I have not heard a tale as wondrous of that of a young child blessed by her fairy godmother. You you break an old elf's heart to tell me such a reminiscing tale. It makes me wish my childhood myself had been so kind. You are truly lucky and blessed to find your way here today. Find your way here today. And in fact... You deserve a prize for your efforts. You'd be able to help me find her. I can tell you're familiar. (laughs) I was thinking it more along the lines of, and he bestows from his hand, floating in the air magically, a bow tie (laughs) with little owlbears on it. (laughs) Owlbear bow tie. Owlbear bow tie. I would like to say that Hobbs does the same thing, but presents the pine cone from earlier. <laughs> oh, it would appear that we have a double prize. 
oh no, this one's still for me. And I turn back into Hobbs. <laughs> I like to imagine, like imagine you stuff the pine cone into one of your eye holes or something weird like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, that, that, was, that, was a, that was a thing I regret. Um... <laughs> uh, I'm, and I'm gonna, like, just... Oh, it's still going. Uh, put my, like, hand on Mr. Light's shoulder as, like, a pat, like, thank you for indulging me. As you, like, gently pat him, you like, whoop, whoop kind of comically reacting to the pat on the, the back, pretending that he is as is, is, is brittle as glass. And he bestows it upon you. I hope that perhaps this may find your favors in future investigations. <laughs> well, you're familiar. Anyway, we have a show to get on with, and if we would kindly ask the audience to vacate from the scene, we have the next act of our residential Candlefoot who approached us at the last minute with a performance he would like to give as he like gestures out now seeming to sort of be dodging Amanda. Yeah, no, I'm, when I'm leaving, I'm just giving him like a little bit of a taunting wave and a wink like, I know, I know. Yeah, and you see like, he's not like the type of person to sort of like follow and reminisce on it. He is literally like blocking it out himself. He's literally not only distracting from the audience, he's also distracting himself <laughs> from whatever weird encounter you two just had. Hmm. Perfect. Oh, I, I guess my taunt was somewhat successful. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it gives you maybe a little bit of validation. <laughs> uh, and yeah, as you see that comes there, all the lights in here begin to come a little bit brighter as uh, Mr. Light begins sort of cartwheeling out of the way. <laughs> you see, walking out of the crowd, carrying a pile of boxes, like a bunch of hat boxes that like stack twice as tall as he, is Candlefoot. The sort of muted colored mime that all of you had seen before ah yes the milky man indeed yeah. very very milky um i will also say like during that entire bit of like performance that you gave the mm, just roll me a performance check real quick i want to see how good your story was oh me oh. yeah okay my performance is and just you can do it with advantage like... because of hobbs Ooh, yay. Hey. Ah. Hobbs is basically oh thank helping. goodness because my first roll was a seven yeah. ah. okay so 13 plus 2 is 15. The mood of the carnival does increase. Yeek! People, people genuinely feel better after that performance, especially everything that's going on. And while you see, like, maybe there's some people who wanted to get out there a little bit earlier, Mr. Light was like, moving on to the next act! Uh, you, 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 the enthusiasm is still running high as Candlefoot begins speaking it his way up, and you see, like, as he's wobbling with the boxes, bits of them begin to sort of fly off and he stands about and begins to sort of feel around and he says with his voice that Amanda would recognize, I believe that one of these boxes is one that, well, I seem to have misplaced. Could it be this one? As he opens it up and you see a whole bunch of like spring snakes spring out of it. And he like tumbles backwards and does like a tumble and says, would not appear to be that box. And he like walks like a good like 30 feet to another part, like right in front of where uh, Philo and Ostrok are. And as he goes ahead and he opens up that one and says, no, it is simply candy as he lifts it upwards and you see like all these like little concession snacks and like uh, candy, you know, cotton candy, like wrapped in, in, in paper bags and gummy worms even. <laughs> Toffee apples, right? Gummy worms. And you see like he tosses it upwards and like people like, some people try to dodge, but other people begin to sort of like catch and gather it up as they kind of cheer. There's a very important package that I require. 
if I could ask for the assistance of another member. Palasha. And you see, like, sitting in, like, a glass sort of, like, fishbowl tank. Another figure, like, you see, like, kind of, like, after a moment, lean forward. And as she's being pushed out, you see Candlefoot leans in front of, like, another box. And as he opens that one up, it just, he just dumps out, like, a ridiculous amount of balls. Like, more balls than would fit in the capacity of this tiny box. The box of holding. <laughs> he, he just tosses the box over his shoulder. And as Halasha begins to ride outwards, kind of looking a little unsure about what's happening, and he says, Halasha, ah, I fear that no matter how far I search, what I seek has been here the entire time. And he kneels down on one knee and he lifts up his hat. And resting on his head is a single tiny box. Oh my god! Yes! And he bestows it in front of you and says, Flasha, will you make me the luckiest man on two feet? And you see standing like right between him and Palasha is Mr. Witch who just has tears streaking down, <laughs> his, his, his eyeshadow bleeding. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Light? Mr. Light, yeah. Yeah. I fucking rock at this, don't I? Uh, <laughs> I can't even tell. No, nobody knows. You see Mr. Light just kneeling in front of you, just like a giddy child holding his vein up against his chest. Aww. And she leans down at him. And then she, like, picks him up and just kind of hangs him over the edge of it and just kisses him. Uh, from the edge of the tank, and there is just an awing from the entire crowd. Aww. Yes. And he says, Took me a while to find my voice, but the words I've wanted to say for quite some time. And then, like, you hear, like, the little orchestral section. In fact, you, like, look at the orchestral section, and you see, like, the entire orchestra is made of rats. Like a 97-row <laughs> orchestra. <laughs> They and they though? begin, and they just begin playing That's just only like electrical. a do, 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 do. sort of like a melody, a uh, wedding melody. Oh my god, these rats yeah. are very polite. And as uh, she like picks him up, and now she's carrying him like at the edge of the fish tank as uh, the carnival staff begin wheeling it out. And then Mr. Witch stands back, Mr. Light stands back into the middle and says, I feel that no matter what the programming we could have lined up for you today, you, you here, got the most special of a spectacle that any of you could have gotten. There was love and tragedy, chaos and mischief, fantasy and wonderment. And all of us, myself even, got to lay witness to some of the most beautiful, marvelous sights that the multiverse can even grant you. Mm. We have many more acts here at the Big Top tonight, but consider the extravaganza concluded. Stay for as long as you like. Leave as early as you want. Carry whatever memories you wish. And enjoy yourself here. Courtesy of me, Mr. Light. Here at the Witch Light Carnival today. And he just gives one big bow as people just begin cheering. And they begin to Rock sort of like applause. line up an acrobatic act. Aww. As you guys have managed to reunite two lovers. Yay. Aww. So happy for them. And yeah, you see like the, uh, the, the, uh, the rat orchestra, you see like the little conductor, like just kind of like, 
mm. and kind of being gesturing and like like signaling and you see like all the little rats like used move their like music paper to like a different page and they begin <laughs> to playing a more jovial circus tune as they begin the acrobats and yeah all you guys can stay around and watch longer but consider that the end of the fourth hour we are in hour five all right right nice all right, before we uh, before we make things go to shit, I'd like to see the um, the fairy kingdom. The oh, I have some questions about how Candlefoot found his voice. I don't know if we figured out that mystery. It was yeah, are we guys on the way talking? there? Huh? Well, I mean, I could tell you guys on the way there. Wait, right, no. So. <gasps> oh yeah, I don't know. All right, you have some explaining to do. I do have some explaining to do, and I mean, I've, you've already heard about half the story on stage. All right. I suppose That's, we. Should I have a different question about that his, story, but okay. His, his good time. Well, I leave it to you if you guys want to ask questions. I kind of was leading it there for quite a little bit, but hmm. now's a chance for you guys to sort of bring up what you want to do, ask each other what you want to ask, ask me. All right. So, oh. full story that I figured out. There are two mysteries going on: the one I'm supposed to solve, and the one that has been leading to a lot of the. Um, mischiefs that were happening today. Thankfully, oh, really? um, yes, I have negotiated with the culprit. Okay. That nothing else goes wrong. However, if we do not, so Zabilna, Zabilna, who I described in my story, she disappeared. You know that. Yes. What else I know is that it's probably because of Mr. Witch and Mr. Light. Okay. And. Zabilna is the patron of a certain mischief maker by the name of Kettlestein, who has been who, who's been behind a lot of the things today. So I tracked her down and we made a deal. We either find a way to get Mr. Witch and Mr. Light to talk by the end of the day, or have a plan at least, or mm-hmm. gonna royally fuck up the um the last ceremony what's the name of it again Tor? could you remind me the the crowning of the monarch yes it's going to get very fucked up but for now we have not much to worry about so we have some time to plan uh amanda you see that as you are kind of explaining this you see it seems to be a little girl who seems to be walking around with giving out stickers to people and she walks up and offers you a sticker right and she puts it on you and you catch, like, very faintly as she walks away, she tucks something into the pocket of your coat before disappearing into the crowd. Mmm, okay, I'm gonna check it. You open it up, and it says, Not bad, kid. K dot S dot. Yay! <laughs> Look at that. Hmm. So, we probably come up with some kind of plan in order to get them talking, or in order for them to have to talk. However... I don't know why. I have a feeling that if we just straight, straight up screw up the carnival, it's going to go much worse for everybody, including Kettlestein. We are not screwing up the carnival. Exactly. Uh, so I might have an alternative. What are you thinking? Instead of screwing up the carnival, what if we made things go too well? How? We start, like rigging games oh um, stuff like that we start winning all the prizes hmm what would that be interesting 
Because I know, I know what that snail looks like. And if we wanted to, I could just completely, I could, I could win the entire snail competition as a snail. <laughs> Become the snail. Become snail. That's the name That's of the episode now. Yes. And if we were to attribute our own luck publicly to Ms. Vilna, that could potentially set off Mr. Witch and Mr. Light enough to require a conversation without without annoying carnival goers. Hmm. We make we make her name so familiar that everyone here wants to know more about her just from excitement and mm. wonder. Ooh. We make it so good. It's it's they don't they don't have a choice. The villain will be us. the talk of this carnival. I'm bad. We want to be carnival legends. The propaganda starts now. And Hobbs uh, <laughs> reaches over with like a uh, piece of charcoal from their pack and writes, who is Zabilna on a, a flap? The seed is planted. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're just, we're doing a campaign. You see <laughs> that there is a, another figure who also approaches you afterwards as all you are kind of like being sort of like wander away from the big top. Uh, a bugbear wearing a pumpkin on his head. And he says, uh, you know, that was a, that wasn't a bad performance in there. You know, if I, if I wasn't more aware of what was going on, I'd, uh, I'd probably sum it up to, you know, you're just kissing Mr. Light's ass, which, you know, honestly, <laughs> how things work around here, I can't really blame you, but you want to go get that drink now? I know a good place. Oh, yeah. Drinks <laughs> on me. Don't worry about it. If oh. I request it, I don't have to pay, so... <laughs> Philo, I have right. a question. Uh, yeah, you know, walk away, talk. I, I really need a drink. Uh, are you guys with, uh, honey soda? You guys good with that? They yeah. got a real good stand next to the, the feasting orchard. Ooh, that does sound good. Can't say that I've had it, but I'm sure. Alright. Alright, come along. And you uh, see, like, he begins leading you, and he says, uh, you had a question, uh, tree fella? Yeah. What's going oh. on? I oh, was hey. asking Philo uh -huh. if Mr. Light wanted his ass kissed, why did not he say so? Was this something that was part of the performance? Well, you see, you gotta kind of kiss it a little bit all day. If you if you suck up too much, then, uh, well, he starts inviting you to, like, dinners and, you know, after, after events. And, you know, honestly, at a certain point, you can only handle so much of the dude. But he's a good performer. He keeps things... He keeps thing, he keeps keeps the atmosphere pretty jovial, so you know Does, you just gotta balance your contact with him. Hmm. Who are some of the people who hang around him the most? A inner circle, if you will. Yeah, well, I've been with the carnival for for a number of circuits, and uh, well, you just kind of get used to a certain proximity. Thako's been around the longest, though. Who? Uh, you you don't need to worry about that guy. Weird stories around him. So. Honestly, I'd uh, I'd avoid talking to him if you could. Well, uh, I won't talk to someone I don't. Like I mean, Tor, <laughs> you've heard the legends of Thako. Roll me okay. a history check, actually. All right. Thako. Thako. <sighs> All right, I do not have good. Now know what this needs: historical context. Oh shoot. 
I am I am old enough to be familiar with this character. What did you get, Tor? Uh sixteen. You you you've heard the legend of Thako quite infamously. Apparently there's been one performer who's been here longer than Mr. Witch and Mr. Light have been around here. Someone who's even been 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 here, you know, back during Isolde's time, and truthfully, rumored to even sort of have been around before her. And all you know is like before you began performing here. Apparently, he had some sort of knife throwing performance in the big top, but then something happened, mm. and now they keep the clown guarding the staff area and he doesn't ever really leave there he just kind of sits there smoking his bubble pipe all day and legitimately like the rest of like the witch light hands of your status are legitimately like always exchanging rumors and stuff like that some say that he's he's like some shape-shifting ogre some people say others say that you know he heard that there was once this kid who touched his his his, his bubble pipe and you know they came back missing fingers uh, hmm. And Mr. Witch and Mr. Light just kind of keep him tucked out of sight. Mm. Okay. Yeah, you're, he's someone that maybe you've seen once or twice, but you never wanted to go in here. That's fair. But yeah, Burley is just kind of leading you on. Okay. I think, wait, is everyone being invited for Honey Soda or just Tor? Yeah, you guys can come over. All of us. Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I said, round's on, round on me. Well, thank you, sir. And he'll lead you on. And yeah, he'll lead you uh, before what looks to be a sort of feasting orchard, which has a number of, like, you hear, like, music and, and mirth that radiate from the park. You hear, like, the heady scents of flowers, mead, berry pie that waft through the air. You see that there are stilt walkers that sort of pluck fruit from trees in this area, and you see musicians drum, pipe and strum. Everywhere there's singing and dancing and an ornament amounts of custard. And uh, he goes to, like, one stand inside of there, and he says, he, like, goes up to, uh, I guess this would be, like, a dwarf, and say, Hey, Ricky, uh, you mind uh, getting a round of uh, honey soda on, uh, for these folks and uh, for me? You can you make it special? Anyone else want it special? I don't think it's What's special. special? But just a little special, not the full special. Just All right. <laughs> You heard, you heard, the, you heard the lady, and you Double see like special for he me. goes to the keg, and like he goes in, you see he pulls out like a little bit of a flask and kind of tosses like a a, a big swish into Burley's, and then just a, a couple of drops into Amanda's, and throws it under and slides it back forward and slides out uh, six tankards of honey soda, and they give each other a bit of a nod, and you see Burley just downs it all instantly. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah. Well, that was a hell of a stunt you pulled. Ops? Well, I mean, that was cool, too. And, like, I was going along for a while. I was like, oh, you're doing some cool stage thing. But no, you went up there. And damn, I haven't seen Mr. Witch go lose his shit like that since. Well, let's say it's been a while, okay? He's... Yeah. Well, I haven't seen Mr. Light kind of get afraid like that for a while. He really spooked. What did you do, Amanda? What did I do? 
I'm trying to do what Kittlestream wanted to do, but without ruining the entire carnival. Okay. Are you talking about... Are you talking about that Kanku who's been causing trouble? Yeah, <sighs> no. Who's this Kettlestream? Darn I was trying to get to yet before... Before someone like her did. Well... Cornered her once, tried to chase her off with my words, but... Apparently that wasn't enough to deter her. She's been oh, following this carnival for weeks, causing trouble. Well, I know why. Hmm? And it's because the story I told is completely true. And not just that. But... Mr. Witch and Mr. Light definitely know what happened to Zabilna. Hmm. And that's the answers I'm trying to get. Hmm. And it seems like there's multiple missing persons that can be attributed directly to them. And honestly, someone in my position of work, it's kind of my responsibility to look into that. For public safety. Sure. You know. You're doing your job, I'm doing mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was trying to make sure that my way of doing my job doesn't interfere with your job as much as Miss Kettles, Kettlestein. Well, I appreciate that then. And... Truthfully, I was really expecting something to go wrong at the big top. It's happened happened last last place we visited, and we managed to save it. Mr. Mr. Light's really good at, uh, what, how would you say, dodging and weaving? You know, if something gets awkward, he finds a way of making a joke about it and kind of keeps keeps the mood of the, the the carnival sort of focused on uh, on the next act or the next show. I know this. Yeah. Got a I bit of a talent this. like that. Honestly, I admire the the, the fella for kind of being able to sort of dodge the more scrupulous aspects of life. But, yeah, I've made a, I've made a deal with, um, I've made a deal with Kettlestein. So, unless we cannot find a better way of getting the answers we need by, um, by the last event of the night, that's when things are going to start going wrong again. But for now, things should be fine. But, of course, any help that I can get in trying to get these answers is, you know, the more likely that things won't go wrong at the very end. All I know is bad things have been happening at this carnival for a while. People and things have been going missing, and my bosses know more than they're telling. I think that if they could say what they wanted to say, if they needed to say, they'd do it by now. I think their hands are tied somehow. But you're the first people around here who actually seem to be trying to sit things right. And... Truthfully, I have a major respect for them, and honestly, if you could help out with their situation as well. Even if it means going against their wishes a little bit at the moment, I'm, I'm willing I'm willing, I'm willing to see that you do it in a way that doesn't cause too much of a problem for the carnival. Mm. That's my main goal. And if yeah. I don't succeed, then I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I don't know what plans you might be thinking about right now, but I do got a little bit of one. And, and he, like, leans you all through, and he looks over. Yo, Ricky, mind if we have the bar for a moment? And the dwarf just silently gives him a nod as he's, like, polishing one of these soda glasses and just kind of steps into the back. <laughs> and he and Burly says in a hushed tone, I don't know how much you know about how this carnival runs, but whenever it gets packed up or started up, there's these two things that, you know, Mr. Light carries, Mr. Witch carries, another thing that just kind of keeps the carnival in work in order. I'm sure you've seen the uh, 
that weather vane, right, that uh, Mr. Light carries. I know that's really important with him, but he never, he never leaves his sight off that thing. The other thing is, is uh, he like leans down towards uh, Philo and says, may I? <laughs> he reaches down and pulls out of your trouser pocket a pocket watch, like a toy pocket watch that never tells the right time. Mm -hmm. And he pops it open. The other thing is this. He clasps it and, and sits it on the counter. Mr. Witch has a, a pocket watch that, uh, well, all I know is whenever it's time to pack up or sit up the carnival, he kind of needs that to make everything magically happen. And if you didn't have it, well then, well, I'm sure it could be a bit of leverage you could use to convince him to open up. If his hands are tied in maybe another way, maybe whatever agreement he's made, he'd be forced to to honor this one, you know, out of, out of the sake of the carnival, right? It still doesn't sit right with me, though, but it's the best plan I've been able to come up with. Better than the chaos that that darn Kanku's causing. Well, this is actually extremely helpful. My, if we can cause pressure on them without putting extra pressure on the carnival itself, you know, outside of them, you know, specifically on patrons and you workers and the such, we can get our answers and hopefully we can also get kettle steam out of your hair. And I know you're good people. I know you. I know you wouldn't wouldn't be causing this mischief as you give you give it back. But like, uh, it just doesn't feel good good to do that to my bosses. But if bad things keep happening and this is something that could stop it, uh, maybe that's what we should do. Unless you got a better plan on on how how we how we, you could convince them to help. <laughs> that's all I got though. Better so, than, it's, it's better than violence at least, right? So his plan is I never that we. That steal these relic artifact power item I don't, know how, I don't know how you get the vein, but maybe maybe if you're sneaky, you might be able to get the pocket watch off of Mr. Witch for a, enough yeah. of a moment. And then he yeah. wants us to basically, like, extort them into helping us by, like, taking their, if we can, their if things, we can, right? If that's that's what he's end, trying to say. If by the end of the third day, or just in general, if we can get this thing off of him, we can get him to talk and possibly help us because, at least according to you, Burley, it doesn't seem like he intends any malice in hiding what happened to Zidilma. Well, I said, it's... I don't know the full story. Uh, I'm not exactly the most complicated fella, but I just, I just want things to be good here at the carnival, right? I've, I've been running this circuit for a long time. You know, I, I was here when when Mr. L Witch and Mr. Light took over. When it's old left, and I'm saying that, like, they really love this carnival. And don't get me wrong, I think it's old love this carnival, too, but the way that they, they, they take care of it, it's like they never take anything for granted. They love this life, they, they love what they do, and truthfully, anything I can do to keep things from bad things from continuing to happen, I'll... I'll, I'll I'll do I'll I'll do what you want, but I, I urge you if you got a better plan. I, I really no violence, that's that's a given, but even even putting pressure on them, even extorting them, that just doesn't sit right with me either, but I said it's the best plan I got right now. If you got something better, I'd love to do that. Unfortunately I can't think of anything at the moment unless somebody else can think of something. But you said you knew it's old, do you know where she went? Yeah, it was a... It's hard to tell time, but it was me and my, when my brother was still working here, too. We were kind of a bit of a green card, and the thing is, he still got very stressed when running the carnival. 
She seemed to love the yeah, what happened here, brother? Well, one day we bumped into another carnival. We were traveling someplace. And we ended up coming across a... Well, didn't look exactly as colorful as it does here, but it had its own festival of charms. Very gloomy place, though. Very gloomy environment that they visited. Mm. But apparently as old ended up meeting with the two carnival owners there. Then, uh, I guess, yeah, they went by different names then. But all I knew is I was stationed outside the tent, me and my brother. And all we heard was a lot of drinking and a lot of, well, incoherent babbling. And what I can tell, they made some sort of agreement to trade carnivals. Ooh. Seemed to think Yasol would be more happy there. And, well, Mr. Witch and Mr. Light would be more happy here. It's a shame you two got separated. Huh? Oh, no, no, that that, that happened only a few years ago. Uh, I said, Hurley, he's a, he's a, he's a complicated fellow. I think he wanted to be a performer, but never really had the, uh, how might I say, the confidence to really put himself on stage. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh my gosh. I think I, did you ever have an incident with the deer escaping? Why do you say that? Mm. The softy. Yeah, <laughs> we did. I think when we were here, this the same, the same town eight years ago well hopefully you enjoyed that change of face you're welcome pretty sure that nudge amanda early <laughs> oh left not but not it wasn't, my, it, wasn't, it wasn't my intention to let them out it was you, an accident. You, you let you let the deer out it was an accident <sighs> well i suppose it's in the past and honestly like that was one event that kind of irked him a little bit, but it's it's oh. not the only event. It just wasn't working for him for a while, and you can't blame yourself on that. <laughs> anyway, uh, not yeah, to no. get too sappy, my story doesn't really matter. I think honestly, both of us are a little bit happy. I'm I'm happy working here at the carnival. He's happy doing whatever the fuck he's doing, and well, I'm glad. Point I, is, I, I want you to seek me out if you got any ideas of, of what you want to do. If if you need help. Steal on the watch. I'll I'll do what I can. I'll do what I can to maybe distract or something like that. But just please, please, please be aware that these are good people who run the show. Whatever oh, yeah. whatever things causing them trouble, whatever the reason is that they're ignoring these problems, they're doing it for a good reason. But it's still causing problems, and we need and we need to we need to fix it. Well, yeah. I well guess they're the only folk less. here who 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 at least. You're the only people here who who seem to be really trying to do good on that part. It's been considered less of an extortion and more of an intervention. It seems like they need help. I will say, though, they seem definitely to be... And I, I was checking in on Mr. Witch's cabin the other day, the earlier today, and I will say that he definitely seems to be picking up on the mood. So whatever you're putting into the carnival, management's hearing about it. And I don't think they're too unhappy. Okay, that's good at least. Anyway, I got I got to get off to my next shift. But all of you, all you keep it up. Tor, I'll, 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 I'll make an excuse if you want to stay with these people. You better sit up here. I got you covered, okay? Ah, thanks. I really appreciate it. Hey, it's good. Yeah, but, but you owe me a double shift, okay? <laughs> I'll keep next, that in mind. My turn to take a day off next time. All right, <laughs> take care. And he'll go you off. Too. And he'll, like, 
he'll literally like just reach under the bar without any of the honey soda he'll pour like a gulp of the flask into his mug and just carry off as he gulps it down leaving the flask tucked under the bar where it's hidden nice and that is when uh you see a strumming sound that all of you recognize sitting mm -hmm. at one of the benches of the feasting orchard is the gnome Wait. And you hear a sound familiar to you, Tor. Okay. Your mentor seems to be speaking. Okay. And like only you with your little ears can like hear it at the far end, but you hear like a little bit of like talking about doing another another feasting orchard contest. Yeah. Trying to figure out if they should charge one one ticket punch or two for it. They side on one ticket punch. Hey, 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 hey. Hey y'all. This is someone. I would like to introduce you to a, a good mentor of mine. All right. I finished my soda. Well, I don't see why not. Uh, what do you do, Tor? Um, I mean, I guess I'll just like drag the others over. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. They're just like, all right, all right. I got to introduce you guys. This, 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 this is my good, good mentor, Carney. Do, what you, you do? Do any of you approach Carney? Uh, I kind of look if anyone else wants to do it first before going ahead. All right. You see a figure turns around and says, Oh, hello, Tor. Oh, hello, Tor's friends. <laughs> hey. Uh, hi. You see hi. standing before you dressed in kind of like a very presentatory outfit, kind of like Greatest Showman style, uh, is a very geriatric looking turtle. Even before you said it was a turtle? I was so cl I was so tempted to just be like I've never I've never really seen turtles around where I'm from because I knew exactly what you were going to do. And you see that there is a fez on his head. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, uh, "Oh, I I haven't seen you all day, uh, Tor. Are you not doing any sideshows today?" Ah. Uh, oh right, I gave you a ticket, didn't I? Yeah, I've I've I made an exception for today. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I just saw. Uh, Earlier, a little bit ago, said that you're going to be doing a triple shift next time. Did he say triple shift? That bastard. Anyway, uh, <laughs> are any of you uh, going to be joining the uh, feasting orchard contest? Um, we had a well, a mighty donation of fairy cakes from uh, this this very nice little uh, gnomish lady who came by. Cute little froggy too. Oh, hello, frog person. Hi. Not related to the frog. Oh, the oh absolutely. Yeah. There's like these, these these turtle people here too who aren't really people. They're just turtles who walk on their back legs. And I'm like, I'm not related to them, you, you fucking racist. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, that person got thrown out. Uh, what about the, uh, what about the Wait, rest what? of you? How'd, you? how'd you like the big top? It was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Probably Ooh. the most fun I've had so Hops far. did a great job. Absolutely. Where, where, where did we see the gnome with the frog? Yes, you see, she's just sitting at, like, the front of one of these tables. As you see, like, she is in the process of reaching into a bag and pulling out more cakes than the bag has the right to hold. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and you see people are, like, getting a little bit psyched, and you see some of them are, like, eyeing them a little bit and begin inquiring with other staff, and they start punching tickets. And he says, Any of you interested in, uh... Well... Joining the, the cake eating contest? I don't think I have quite the appetite. I think I'll try. Ooh, absolutely. I'm gonna be a ticket punch. I haven't eaten anything all day. 
<laughs> All right. I don't know if any of you know this, but we literally get paid in ticket punches. When we punch more tickets, that's more ticket punches we get to keep. The real weird economy here. Okay. Okay. So what what right. do what do you use those ticket punches for then? We buy more tickets to punch with. <laughs> what? How does that sustain you? Yeah, well, that's that's just the carnival life. I've been at it for quite some time. I can leave getting to you, my good sir. Quite well for you. <laughs> anyway, uh, bring it right here. And who would like to enter the uh, feasting orchard contest? I'll enter. I mean, we haven't eaten all day. We haven't eaten anything all day. Oh, it's funny. You're dressed up as like a, a little Mr. Witch. Uh, yeah. It would be really funny if it, uh, you bumped into him somehow and then you had like a little one of him and then you had a big one of him. <laughs> well, I actually think we might be trying to run into him if you see him. All right, he'll punch a ticket. Anyone else? I'm going to go. I'm going to go see if um, the gnome would be chill with me just sitting with her. I'm, I'm sure. just going to whisper to Amanda. Have her sing about Zabilna. So, Tor, are you? Yeah, I am. Punch my ticket already. I All right. Yep. I, I was just checking. Is Hobbs interested in eating a cake eating contest? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Well, I, 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 think, I don't think the has event... a lot of space. Yeah, I was going to say like I, whatever visual that might have been might be just too horrifying for our audience. I, <laughs> um, yeah. Like I, I'd have to wash out my log hole with water to get all the <laughs> frosting out. Yeah, just jump in the uh, Just too too much, you know? Yeah. All right, I don't Amanda. feel like Hobbs is the type who needs to like be dry cleaned. Is a struck <laughs> dry clean only. I've I've varnished myself very nicely for the occasion. Um not hungry enough to do a competition. However, I okay. I guess I'll ask this beforehand. I want to try casting guidance on one of them at some point, like so they can actually use it during the All competition. Right. Mm. So, um, I will say that as you sit down, Amanda, and, and Ostrock, you're kind of contemplating a little bit before deciding not to. Amanda, you see sitting next to, you know, sitting at the edge of this table, you kind of sit in the corner, and you see kind of like drumming her fingers together. You see a few crumbs kind of just draping over her shoulders and stuff. Is the gnomish girl. And she just seems to be thinking and intently inspecting all the pies that she's just taken out of her bag. As you see, you know, uh, Witchlight Hands beginning to sort of broadcast, like, Fairy cake-eating contest! Fairy cake-eating contest! Sit down! Uh, and, and, and test your luck, test your appetite, test your constitution. See if you have the appetite to consume such fine custards. Very and, fine. And she leans over and she catches eye contact with you and says, Hi there. Uh, are you interested in joining me for a little bit of a meal? I'm not. I'm not part of the contest. If that's what you're asking. Pure. A real shame. I get real talkative over food. Ooh. She smiles at you. I guess I'll go for it, but don't Ooh. expect me to win. Don't Ooh, hello. Me. You see a shadow looming over you as soon as I'll go for it. Oh, good God! Oh, good God! You scared me. Would you like me to punch your ticket? <laughs> Your visage terrifies me to my You see, like, as, like, his, <laughs> head's, like, leaning, his head's, like, leaning over the sun, but you can still see the glint in his eyes over his, like, overly contrasted complexion <laughs> over you. Why do I feel like I've been traumatized by you in another life? Fine, take my ticket. Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> delicious. Punch. Mark that you you have another ticket punch off? Yeah. All right, then. As all of you begin to sort of gather and you hear Carney go about, all right, everybody, go ahead and uh, 
pull yourselves back. We are beginning the fairy cake eating contest next episode. Take care. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Of course he would be a dimension, like a fourth wall breaking character who is aware of when episodes end. Of course. Cue Jojo meme. You have been listening to Electroval, as featured on Dice Carnival. We appreciate your support in listening to this podcast and leaving us a good rating. Please consider subscribing and following us on Twitter. Music is used with permission by This Way to the Egress. You can find links to them, some of our sponsors, and other collaborators in the description below. And lastly, remember to always salt your water before boiling. Farewell. <laughs>